where I see troubles is usually in being indecisive or questioning yourself so much that you don't make a move and you sit on something for months and months that could have been sat on for a day or two. That procrastination or fear or whatever we're wanting to call it can really stall you and stall your success and stall your momentum. And I'm a very decisive person and I don't, I definitely don't always get it right. But even when I get it wrong, I can shift a lot quicker because I'm always moving. It's when you kind of sit in it, it can, like I said, slow that momentum down and, and momentum is everything in business. Hi, this is Kendra James Anderson and you're listening to Dreams in Drive. Hey, Dream Drivers, welcome to episode 341 of the Dreams and Drive podcast. Today, our guest is Kendra James Anderson. You may have first heard Kendra in episode 166, Get Your Dollars Right, Small Business Finance and Accounting Tips. If you have not already listened to that one, I really do suggest that you go back and listen to all of Kendra's wise accounting tips. But we're having her back in the guest chair to tell us all about what has happened along her dream driving journey since 2018 when we first heard from her. So here's a little bit more about Kendra. After graduating from Clemson University with a bachelor's degree in corporate finance, Kendra climbed the corporate ladder supporting CFOs of companies like GE for 10 plus years. She then ditched her six-figure salary and built the Finance Femme to serve as a full-time business and money manager for successful businesswomen. After successfully scaling the Finance Femme for almost 10 years, she has launched her personal brand, Kendra Nicole, where she helps entrepreneurs strategically build a business that gives them peace and profits. So we're calling this episode today The Road to Peace and Profits because I want to let you all in on Kendra's journey. I think we see a lot of entrepreneurs pivot and we don't understand the how and the why and the thinking behind that. So this episode is going to just give us a glimpse into what Kendra did and what she's doing now to really settle into this new phase of her business and her life. Like me, Kendra also became a mother during the pandemic, so we also sprinkle a little bit of that in here as well. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Please make sure that you're following us across social media. You can find us at Dreams and Drive on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you want to join our weekly newsletter, The Keys, and get email updates delivered right to your inbox weekly, just go to dreamsanddrive.com slash join. That's dreamsanddrive.com slash join. All right, let's hear from Kendra. Hi, Kendra. Welcome to Dreams and Drive again for the second time. Yes, thank you. I'm very excited to to be here. I'm excited to have you on. If you guys do not know, Kendra was our episode 166 guest back in 2018. That was at the time of recording over four years ago. How does that sound saying that now? (laughs) It's just so insane. Like it's just a whole different world 2018. Like (laughs) completely different. Right? Like we could not have imagined all the things that happened, you know, to us, to the world <laughs> since right. Then. right? Absolutely. It's just, it's really, it's completely different, but it, I mean, it gives you perspective, right? Because it's, it's a lot like business and all that, right? You go into it thinking one thing and then things just happen <laughs> and you're in a whole different is. world. Yeah. And you just got to kind of pivot and adjust accordingly. Um, While I have you thinking about it, Can you remember, I mean, it's kind of hard to think about what you were thinking about four years ago, but thinking about the Kendra who you are now, right? And the Kendra who you were four years ago, what do you think was the biggest shift that you've made? 
So four years ago, right, 2018, I was still, I was like a couple of years in the business. So I was still very much in that, like, grow the business, like scale, you know, what, what are all the things that I have to do to grow the business, grow the team, put the systems in place, the infrastructure, the workflows. It was very like head down, work, work, work. Um, not try to like overwork, but definitely try to put my time in, right? Like I knew I was early in business. And so I had to put the time in and that was what I was doing then. And yeah, I mean, fast forward four years later, you know, like we kind of talked about before hopping on, you know, there was a whole pandemic that happened. There were, you know, there's a kid in the picture now, Mm -hmm. you know, like life is different. And so your mind shifts with that, you know, your priorities definitely shift with that. So, um, 2018 was very much was probably the last year. Well, no, 2019 would have been the last year where I was in that mode before, um, before things really shifted. You were like legit in go mode, right? Legit. Yes, for (laughs) sure. For sure. Oh, I like that. I'm going to make a little note here. Go mode. Um, you know, thinking about that though, and I want to get back to it because I realize not everybody has probably listened to that episode 166 uh-huh. ep- uh, episode, but let's kind of give our listeners a little brief, you know, rundown of who Kendra James is and how did you land in entrepreneurship? So I know you were yeah. in the corporate world. I'll, I'll I'll toss the mic to you, but give our listeners a little bit of background of just how you realized that you could build a passion or build a build a business based on what you were gr- really great at. Yeah. So when I went to, uh, so I always knew that I wanted to be in like business finance. I didn't necessarily know exactly what that meant, but I was very interested in business and not necessarily, not at all really entrepreneurship, but actually like large corporations and economics and very interested in that. So I went to school for corporate finance and went into corporate, you know, straight out of school and kind of climbed that corporate ladder. And that was really what my goal was. Entrepreneurship was never really even a thought. Everyone in my family is like, you know, corporate climbers. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's kind of where the focus was. And I, entrepreneurship really kind of fell into my lap and that I was just kind of assisting people with their business accounting and finances early on, like friends that I knew it wasn't something where I was trying to monetize. I was really just kind of helping out, but I very quickly <laughs> realized that these businesses, it like made or break, you know, their business. They were struggling. They were doing really well from a sales perspective, but they were struggling as far as cash flow and profit and all that because they didn't know where their money was going. And so after working with them for very short periods of time and seeing that their businesses were turning around, I was like, this is important. Like, you know, I was working at GE at the time and GE is making billions, whether I'm there or whether I'm not there. Right. So I, Sure, I was important, but I really wasn't, right? (laughs) But I'm working with these small business owners and it's like valuable information. So that's kind of how it all really began is when I realized like this is something that people need. And so um, that's that's when it all started. You said something. You said like you were only working with these business owners for, you know, a few short months, right? But you were able to make Mm -hmm. significant changes. What were the things that you were helping them do that, help turn their finances around so quickly? Yeah. Clarity. Clarity is, is key. So with, um, 
you know, whether you are making a ton of money and keeping a ton of money, even if you don't know how to really quantify that, clarity can change the game for you. And it's certainly if you're making a ton of money and spending a ton of money where you're not profiting <laughs> much and cash flow is hurting, clarity definitely can help you. So the, the biggest thing is clarity. It's like showing folks where their money is coming from, where they're actually getting their sales from. Like, hey, you're spending all your time doing this service when really it's this service that's paying your bills. Or, hey, you're making all this money, but you're spending it in in ads or in you know something that's like a black hole that's not giving you a return. So a lot of times when you are first starting off in business, you're just so focused on bringing the money in the door that you don't really take the time, understandably so a lot of times, to sit down and dissect your numbers because you're just in grind mode trying to make the money come in. You know, and so a lot of times that's why you have to kind of outsource that to somebody who can just give you that clarity, who can do the work behind the scenes, give you the clarity so that you can make the better business decisions. But I mean, that's ultimately what it boils down to is clarity. And from there, you can build on strategy and all of that. And you can have somebody come in and give you a great strategy and provide, you know, CFO work and business strategist work. But they can't even do that. Like we can't do CFO work without clarity of your financials or where are we starting from? Oh, I think, and you know what? It's funny because I think so many people are, it's, it's interesting because I think in like the small business, I'll say dream driver space. A lot of us are seeking clarity on our business vision, right? We're Mm -hmm. seeking clarity on like, what's this big idea? Who are we trying to target? But as creatives, a lot of people who listen to this podcast may call them self-creatives, right? Mm -hmm. They are scared of numbers as well. Like I'll say, you know, I'll say it's intimidating. Yeah. I know you say hiring someone who is, you know, this is their expertise, but is there also some tips you would have for that person who's just even intimidated to admit that they don't know what they're doing or admit that they're not, they're not focusing on provide or finding clarity in this space? Yeah, I think, I hope it's helpful to hear me say that, everyone is nervous about something in their business, right? So I might love numbers and be a numbers person, but if you try to get me to come up with a marketing strategy or a social media campaign or whatever, I'm like, like what? Like I'm, I'm, I'm not into it. Right. So everyone has something that they're deficient in, in business. And, um, so I think it's like understanding that it's completely understandable to be nervous or scared about numbers. And and looking to people who do that for a living, like they will understand that. And there's no judgment there. It's literally what we enjoy doing. So the biggest first step, though, is first just understanding that, like, okay, it's important, you know, acknowledging that it's important and deciding whether you're going to look into it yourself or you're going to have somebody else look into it or have somebody guide you on how you can look into it. But there's no getting past the fact that it has to get looked into. Yeah, I always say like you don't want the IRS. Um, I just heard, oh my gosh, and I shot into the New Jersey, New York City area, and there was this radio commercial. I don't know if it was like a tax accounting firm or something, and they were like the the IRS is the biggest debt collection agency in the you know in the world. They will come, and I was like, oh my god, I'm so scared. Like, you know, I was, <laughs> it was That's so scary, horrible. like listening to this ad. Right, I can't yeah. remember where I heard it. But it was one of those fear things. But at the same yeah. time, it's like you don't want there to be a situation where like it's not that you meant to like, you know, evade right things. But it's like you don't want to put yourself in that position. So just get, you know, get the help and get yeah. yourself right. Right. Yeah. And and try to approach it, 
you know, as as um, overwhelming as it might feel sometimes, try to approach it in a rather lighthearted fashion versus like fearful. I hate when people do that fear marketing because then that just kind of makes it a little bit more overwhelming and intimidating to step into. Look at it more as like, these numbers are going to give me insights into how I can improve my business. It's It should feel more empowering than it should feel like, uh, you know, nerve wracking. Right. Exactly. And I get that's not always the case naturally, but like trying to kind of see it through that light. But but yeah, it's definitely it's inevitable. Like you got to you got to take a look at your numbers every once in a while. So I know you're a numbers person, right? Did you sit down and run the numbers when you realized that, wait, I could go into business or were you not really thinking about the money and you were just thinking about the people that you could serve? Well, initially, I really I still didn't really think it would be a business. So even though I saw that it was helpful, I was like, how am I going to like it's me and I'm in corporate. So how am I going to scale this thing? And so then I brought on my first at the time was a contractor who love her dearly. She's still an employee with me to this day. And that was like 2015. And um, so I hired her and she helped out. So we were able to bring on even more clients. But even at that point, I was like, this is going to be like a small kind of, you know, operation, just me and her, but it just, it kept growing. And so once I quit corporate, which was, I think at the end of 2016, um, maybe 2015, but I think 2016, that's when I was like, okay, clearly this is going to be a thing because I am now leaving my salary. So this is going to grow. There was more at stake too. Like, I feel like when you, when you do it, when you're a hundred percent out, it's like, oh shoot, like I got to yeah. make this happen. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's like, okay, this needs to be an operation, right? It's no longer just like handling a couple of clients. Like I need, you know, to figure out sales, I need to figure out client fulfillment and marketing and HR. Like, what is this? How is this happening? But yeah, you definitely take it more seriously then. Looking back, right? Um, you know, it's easier. Well, sometimes it can be hard to look back because you're so far removed now, right? But looking back at those early days, what do you think was a key contributor to your success and your ability to stay afloat? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say it's being decisive. And like always moving, like always um, taking action. I think that having worked with a ton of business owners, either as clients or even like some of our coaching students, like where I see troubles is usually in being indecisive or questioning yourself so much that you don't make a move and you sit on something for months and months that could have been sat on for a day or two. And that procrastination or fear or whatever we're wanting to call it can really stall you and stall your success and stall your momentum. And I'm a very decisive person and I don't, I definitely don't always get it right. But even when I get it wrong, I can shift a lot quicker because I'm always moving. You know, it's when you kind of sit in it where it, um, it can, like I said, slow that momentum down and, and momentum is everything in business. So I think that's probably a big piece of it is like, just keep, just keep moving and, um, you know, be decisive. So listen, me and you, we would probably be great friends, but we would argue all the time because I am (laughs) such an indecisive person. I'm still trying to figure out where I want to go for my birthday. That was in May. I'm just, (laughs) (laughs) no, but I love that you said that. Um, are you able to share a real life decision that you made, right? And if you like something within the business, maybe an example that you can share of how this came to life for you and then the results of you taking that decision? 
Yeah, I mean, I can tell you, shoot, I can tell you one that went good and one that went not so good. But All right, let's do it. Let's do it. So I have to get out of it. Um, but yeah, so I would say um, one was higher, like bringing on the team and, and um, increasing the team. So initially, in a lot of accounting and finance firms can kind of attest to this when they first start out. It's like, I'm going to do all the work. It's going to be me. And I might hire one contractor to kind of help out. And I'm going to get 50 clients and just grind and do all the work myself. I knew from the very beginning, I'm not going to do a lick of accounting, not a lick. My degrees in finance, I got a like a minor in accounting, but only to be more marketable. I actually do not like accounting at all. So from the very beginning, can you I describe, did. I just want to pause you. Can you just yeah. tell us what the difference between accounting is versus the other services? Just so people, Ooh. people might not know. Yes. Listen. So the quick and dirty version is accounting. is very transactional. Accounting is what happened with my money. Like okay. what happened in my business? How much, you know, where did the money come from? Where is it going? It's very transactional. It's, it's what has happened in the past. Finance is very future focused. So we can't do our work without looking at the accounting records to know where, where we are as a, as a start. But the finance conversations come into play when you're like, okay, I profited you know, 50K from last year, which is what an accountant can tell you. But then the finance person comes in and says, okay, you want to go from 52 to 85? How did we get there? Okay. Right. So accounting is more um, past what's happened, they make sure that things are very accurate and compliant. And then the finance person comes in and kind of does the dream of how do we get from A to Z? What's the strategy? All of that. Okay. Got it. Right. So I'm very, I am a finance girl. And so I can talk about the strategy all day long. I can do the accounting, but I don't enjoy it. So from the very, very beginning, I hired that young lady I was talking about, Mary Beth, to come in and handle the accounting because I knew that that was not where I was going to get in. And so that was a decision that I made that a lot of folks probably would have said no to because it's literally at the time was taking a high percentage of the money that I was making to pay someone else to do work that I very well could have done. And most people would have said, you should have just done it and kept the profit. But no, that wasn't the life I wanted. I didn't want to do that work. And I would have slowed down my ability to scale because I would have been bogged down doing the work that I didn't enjoy doing. You know what I mean? So it was a very easy decision. Like, no, we're going to hire, we're going to hire, we're going to hire early. Um, Because literally I had my very second, my second client, I had a team member because I was like, I'm not doing this by myself. And in the long run, it was a good long-term decision for you, right? Because when you're able to do the work you do well, you can do more work. You know what I mean? You have more work because you don't have to split everything or you don't have to split your time doing all these things that aren't really, the ROI isn't there Right. In terms of numbers. So I, I also see that as being intentional as well. Right. Yeah. 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 The, the decisions are all well usually based <laughs> off of being very intentional. Right. But um, but like I said, sometimes they, they work out. Sometimes they don't. We actually last year, maybe it was even this year, we started a department um, in the business that was supposed to focus specifically on like the onboarding of our new clients and all of that. And so we put out this whole process and put all this money into building all of this stuff out only to realize it was completely unnecessary. Like we completely unnecessary. And so there was a lot of money spent and time spent into building this out when our clients actually like to be onboarded the way that we kind of onboarded them before. And so we did away with this whole thing that took us probably three, four months to build out and a lot of money to build out. 
but I don't regret it whatsoever because that department had been on my mind for like two years to build. Mm. And so I would have still to this day been thinking about it. And so now I'm like, yep, we tried it. We got lessons out of it. We made some changes to our, our process, but we didn't need that full, you know, fully functioning thing. So it's like, I'm fine. I'm fine with that, you know, because it's still, it's done. We learn from it. We move on. So I have a question, you know, how did it feel to know that you lost money? And I I guess you were in a part of your business where like losing the money didn't hurt you, you know, as much it might have hurt somebody that let's say that's all they had and they invested everything into it. Right. So how did it feel? And then like, how do you navigate with your clients or anyone when it comes to taking risk and you end up losing money and you don't have anything to recoup it with? Yeah, I think that's the part, right? So I would not have done that and made those investments had it put me in a situation where we wouldn't have been able to rebound, right? So, so there's, there's two different parts to it. How did, how did that make me feel? Not too bad because I was able to recoup from it. It wasn't that big of a deal. We learned a lot from it. You know, it was, it was cool, but, um, and then you think about the positives, right? So if it was a client of ours who lost money, but they're but they're not in a bad situation from it, I would have been like, look, you learned all this from it. Let's think about the positive. Okay, let's get back to you know doing what's do, what's working well. Um, so you don't want to invest in something, um, especially something new in your business, whether it's a team, a department, a, a, a software, you know, something like that, if it's going to potentially take you out. Dream drivers, what does it mean to be black and unlimited? It means being exactly who you are, to be unlimited in your potential, to be unlimited in your creativity, to be unlimited in your imagination, and to be unlimited in your vision. Throughout the year, join Walmart in amplifying the voices of black brands and creators, giving them a stage to spotlight their unlimited brilliance. That's black and unlimited. Visit walmart.com slash black and unlimited to learn more. The inspiration from others drive us forward. Their resilience pushes us to excel and their path navigates the way towards freedom. Ford is proud to celebrate black history, not just this month, but year round. They're committed to being the fuel for change, supporting Ford fund programs centered around economic educational and empowerment opportunities for our communities to continue creating the future. Learn more at FordFund.org. Built Ford Proud. Cartier, Rolex, Gucci, Prada, Jordan, Adidas, Bottega, Veneta. At eBay, it's real or it's getting the fake out. eBay's team of luxury authenticators are making sure you never get faked over again. Watches inspected by watch aficionados. Sneakers checked by legit sneakerheads, handbags examined by handbag connoisseurs, and jewelry in the scopes of expert gemologists. These authenticators are leaders in their field with meticulous eyes, making sure your piece arrives as authentic as your style and worthy of your collection. As experts, they know the true difference between a real and a fake. Real carries that rare, distinguished feel. The weight of pure platinum, exquisite scent of Togo leather, the tight stitching on a pair of dunks, the brilliance of real diamonds. So rest assured, your Rolex moves just like a Rolex should, and that colorway on your Jordan Royals will always be on point. The details inspected, the fakes rejected. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Everyone deserves real... Visit ebay.com for terms. Um, 
So there's there's definitely that. If it's going to take you out, you, you want to reconsider it. That's, again, part of that being intentional, you know? And that's when having the team who could help you with your clarity, right? Can yes. they come in and be like, listen, listen, Raina, no, don't do it. It does not yes. make financial, right? You know, not accounting, financial sense, right? Yes. For you to make that decision. I love it. Yep. And to know what to look out for as you're making the investment, because sometimes it's hard to know, right? So you might start the process out, put some money down, start working into that process and then realize like, okay, if you're, if you don't have numbers or something to like a measurable to compare yourself against to see if it's working, then sometimes you get too deep into it and realize, shoot, that thing took me out. But if you have something, some kind of like guardrails or something that you can compare yourself against and measure yourself against as you're doing it, then um, it can cause you to slow down or back out of it altogether. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kendra. Um, you know, one of the things I love about your business is like you get to work with some of our faves and like we it's a business that you, you're not necessarily advertising. Oh, I work with this person or, you know, that person. You've definitely worked with some of our faves and I'll say, you know what I mean, right? Yes. Um, what were, you know, in the building phase, of course, we're always building, but how did you build those relationships to get such you know, qual not saying quality clients. I don't want to say it like that. Yeah. But just getting clients that, you know, would be dream clients to have or just within this, yeah. you know, lifestyle space, like some great, great, amazing clients who are doing great things. How did you build those relationships and to make those connections? Yeah, I would say, and you're right, I'm, I'm absolutely blessed to have the clients that we have there amazing women. And, um, a lot of it's word of mouth. And I think that that is, um, because like minds are, you know, connect, right. And so like-minded clients connect with like-minded clients and they refer and all of that. And so a lot of the times it's a matter of who you, um, either surround yourself with, who you work with, who you partner with, who you collaborate with. Um, those are the folks who speak your name in rooms when you're not there. And, that's, that's been a lot of it because to your point, like I'm bad on social media. Like I'll get a good week in and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then I'm like gone for four months because I just can't do it. But, um, but luckily, you know, there's word of mouth and all of that amongst our clients that have helped us really grow. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that too. So, you know, let's fast forward a little bit to 2020, uh, the year everyone's life changed, right? Um, I want to say, so your son is two, my son is two. So I want to say 2020, we also were pregnant, right? Yes. Um, yes. The, the pandemic hit a lot of businesses were just trying to figure out what's next for me. Right. So I know for you, like working with businesses that might have had a lot of financial changes going on, what was that time like? in your life and your business life? And how did you navigate that? Yeah. 2020 was a doozy. Um, <laughs> it was I feel a like lot. I just don't remember it anymore. I'm like, what it's happened? A blur. It is definitely pregnant. a blur. It was a um, <laughs> you know, uh, Carter, so our son, he was born in September. And so, uh, you know, the pandemic kind of started like February, March. So yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a blur. Um, now ironically, as far as on the business side, it actually, we actually did really, really well because, um, we only, there was only one client of ours that actually had to close their doors even, and only just temporarily during the pandemic, cause they were in the beauty space, but everyone else was actually thriving during that time. 
And I think it was a combination of just, they had really good business models, but also they did have that clarity on their financials. So they were set financially, had money set aside, like they could pivot really easily because they had money set aside. So for on the business side, things were doing really well. Um, And of course, you know, on the personal side, things were doing really well as well because, you know, we're preparing for the birth of our son and everything. But it's just the world was crazy, right? Like uh, we couldn't go anywhere and, you know, we were all on lockdown. But um, 2020 was definitely a very interesting year. But it it was one where even like my business, even the finance from side shifted and how we worked with clients in, in some capacity. So, um, yeah, it was a it was a pivotal year for sure. So, Kendra, you talked about how, you know, some of your clients, you know, were able to thrive during this time because they had clear things set up. So let's kind of, you know, get back into dream driver mode. If you could have, you know, if we were packing a business financial survival bag, right, that we put in our Mm -hmm. trunks, what do you think our dream drivers should be having in that financial survival kit? So one thing for sure is a a bank account with three months of your operating expenses set aside. So um, knowing how much you're spending every month in your business. So let's say that that is $15,000 a month between like what you pay yourself, your team, your systems, all that. Let's say it's $15,000. So multiply that by three, that's 45K. So I would say 45K needs to be set aside in a bank account at minimum. So ideally, we're going to build that up to six months and nine months, maybe a year. But um, but ideally, you'll have that set aside in a separate bank account. So that gives you some flexibility in case revenue drops or things like that, where you can still tap into that kind of like emergency fund. Um, another thing that I would say is having a list already prepared of what your flexible uh, spending is. So those apps or solutions or services that you pay for on a monthly basis that you don't absolutely have to have, like already knowing what those are so that if times get hard, um, if revenue drops, you can easily turn those things off without it making a drastic impact to your business. But you don't want to have to go searching for those things in hard times. You want to already have it prepared to know like this is the lever I can pull if if I need to without having to like figure it out in the time of crisis, right? Um, and then a third thing that I think everyone should have, which actually kind of goes with the dreams and drive theme is what I call a parking lot document. So a parking lot document is for all of those ideas. And I'm sure your creative listeners will appreciate this for all of those creative ideas that you have, write them in one place, not the sticky note on your wall, not the notebook over here and the Google doc over there, but in one place, try your hardest to download it all into one spot. And this is where you can go to when you need to um, implement something new in your business, you can go to that parking lot and figure out what makes sense for this time. Like what makes sense for what's going on in the world right now? Because all 100 ideas that you come up with in the month of November, you cannot execute in November, <laughs> right? You know, I, I love my, most of my clients are creatives and some come up with the most amazing ideas. And I'm like, we can't do that today because we just activated something yesterday, but let's put that on the parking lot dock. And there's going to probably come a time where we're going to use it, but it's just not right now. So write your ideas down in one place and when something, hopefully never again, but when something like COVID happens and you have to shift in your business, you already have a list of all of these great ideas and you can think like, oh, what can I pull from and activate in my business now? Did you use that? I know you mentioned that, you know, you had your own shift in business during the pandemic. 
was it a parking lot idea that you had to go back and like you enacted? What was that like for you? Actually, yeah, good, uh, good question. It actually wasn't a parking lot idea. It was something um, when I was talking to like some coaching students of mine on the accounting side, I was actually just randomly talking to them. And I was like, hey, and this idea like popped in my mind of like, hey, this is something that that needs to happen in our industry right now. This is a wide open opportunity, which really what it boiled down to was there were a lot of mom and pop shops or, you know, brick and mortar tax offices and accounting offices, old school that 100% of their clients had to come into their office to see them. And those places were closing up left and right because people didn't want to see anybody in in, um, person anymore. And those also were the same places that struggled to go virtual because they had always been 100% in person. And so I was like, buy their book of business, go to these firms. And if you have the cash, buy them. And so we had coaching students who were still in corporate and had a corporate salary and they took money out and they bought up a book of business and they went from having 10K a month in sales to 50K a month in sales because they bought it, you know? And so it's just like, it's that. It wasn't something from the parking lot chic that never knew that COVID was going to come, but it was definitely um, a shift, a shift that we were able to help clients do or coaching. No, and it's just a good lesson too in like really understanding your industry and where there's a gap or where there's a way that you can leverage something like there's a new way to look at a problem like I, I have this analogy I use all the time so Axel went through this phase where he loved strawberries right but there was different phases of phases of how he would eat the strawberry you either had to cut it up you <laughs> yes. know it had to be whole you had to yeah. it, it was different ways it's still the same strawberry right but his approach to eating it has changed now I don't know yeah. what he what he likes how he likes it anymore I just just randomly guess, right? Right. But, um, I think that's just something that we can do within our own business is there are so many other ideas, like the one that you mentioned, like with, with whatever industry you're in, like there's yeah. probably a new way to tackle the challenge, right? But you just have Absolutely. to be willing to take the time to think about it and maybe just take a step back and say, hey, let's look at this from another angle. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about motherhood, right? Um, Motherhood number one changes business because it just changes how you show up in business, right? Or how you approach it, what your goals are. But for you, Kendra, what do you think has, how has motherhood inspired you as a person? And then also, how do you think it has informed how you do business? Man, it's... That kid, like, you know, it just don't you changes. just love him so much? I just yes. <laughs> <laughs> it just changes everything, right? Like, I mean, man, see, I already just forgot the question just because now I'm instantly like thinking of like daydreaming and thinking about him. So it's how does he inspire? So he as inspired. a person, like, yeah, you personally, yeah. How, how has your son, you know, really just inspired you as a as a person? For me, it's about like being more, um, being more aware of how I'm showing up. So, and and how I look like I'm showing up. So even if I um, feel like, okay, yeah, I'm working super hard and all of that, like, I don't want that to then come across to him as work is more important than family. So it's like, it's about how I, how I'm appearing to him as well. You know, yeah. that's, been a big thing for me. Or like if I'm working, you know, before I used to have my phone with me all the time. So as soon as I'm done eating, I might answer an email or whatever. But now that he's here, I'm like, I don't want him seeing me on my phone answering an email while he's playing and, you know, just stuff like that. So it just makes me more aware of like how I am truly showing up. 
To me, home ownership is more independence, a little bit more control, a little bit more space. Like this is literally mine. Buying your first home is a big milestone, but it can also be overwhelming. I'm Nadeska Alexis, and I'm getting an insider's view into the home buying process on the new podcast, Beginner to Buyer. Tune in to get the tools and tips that'll help you buy your first home. Listen on wherever you get your podcasts and learn more by visiting beginnertobuyer.com. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's how he inspires me. And I know you had a second question, but like yeah, I know, but you know, I just want to piggyback on what you said too. And it's just for me, like with my son, it, he's a September baby as well. It's just so cool to see them grow, right? Like yeah. I was just telling him, you were just a baby, right? And now he's like learning to like take off his jacket and <laughs> trying to zipper his, you know, zipper it down and stuff. And it just goes to show you, like, I feel like there's so much possibility, right? And sometimes we as humans, we hamper our own creativity. We hamper our own possibility. And we say we can't do something. But look yeah. at a child. A child every day is learning something new. It has so much enthusiasm enthusiasm for the world so on the flip side like I'm inspired by my son just by seeing him get inspired about the simplest of things it's a reminder to just Uh like there's joy and there's more to life than just like chasing you know although we're talking about money right it's also interesting to see how like your child can kind of ground you and just make you remember like just be present you know relax like there's so much more than just this this journey right it's like being in the journey is so important um the second question i had was how do you think motherhood has informed the business i mean it has it you know yes yes i mean my calendar is more important to me than the bank account at this point like how much free time i have is more important than how many zeros are in the bank account and it's like that that's you know, driving me to have a very intentional business now. Um, And that's like the number one thing. It's just, it's, it's being sure that I have time freedom. Um, So that's probably the biggest change for me. And, And even like on the financial side, it's like, okay, the goals financially is having like a well-rounded and everything that I need for the family and having savings set aside for him versus before. And this was also just pre-baby period, right? That mindset of like, you know, hustle, 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 grind, 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 and, you know, make, make all you can make. That's just not as important anymore. You know, of course you still want to do it. You still want to earn a, a decent income, but it's for a purpose. It's for, you know, saving for this or for that versus just like having it just to take a picture of it and post on social media, you know? Yeah, no, I I Um, definitely can relate with you on that one. Um, One of the things I wanted to ask you was um, just from like an outsider looking in from what you post on social media, I've also seen like your shift in like you really promoting the personal brand, like who is Kendra James Anderson, right? And kind of, I don't know, maybe I'll let you explain it, but why the shift in also starting to prioritize the personal brand and separating yeah. that from the business to finance them and what you're doing in that end? Yeah, I think it's because I have a this deeper passion for um, making sure that women have businesses that are not only profitable, but peaceful. And so, you know, hence this whole thing that I'm putting together called peace and profits, but essentially, you know, the finance room was really there to 
help women get very clear on their finances and their business strategy. It was very business focused. It was when I was in a very business focused mindset. And even though I had clients that were moms and they would talk to me about motherhood and all that, you know, I, I admired it, but I still didn't. You don't know it until you know it. You don't right? get it. Like you don't know what it's like until <laughs> you are in it. I tell that I say sorry to my friends all the time who were parents before me. I'd be yes. like, bring the baby, bring the baby. <laughs> now I know, like, no, don't bring. I don't want to bring him. I see him all the time. Yes, yes. Or like, oh, he can stay up a little later past bedtime. It's fine. No, like, no, just, sorry. No, we're you not. Know. We're not doing that. <laughs> yes, it's like different now. So I still, it's still very important to me. The finance room is still there, and that's still the purpose there. But on the Kendra Nicole side, it's also about, um, it's really just about intentional, uh, like life as well. So having a business and building the business intentionally so that it supports your clients and customers, but that, so it also supports you and the lifestyle that you're wanting to live, whether that is the, you know, 60 hour a week hustle and grind mode, or that's the, I don't want to work more than one or two days a week and spend the rest of the time with my family. Like it's whatever you're wanting to build, but it's more so about being intentional on life and business. Do you think that it's taboo to put those words peace and profits together? And I say that too, because I feel like as black women, right? We, I feel like people want us to be automatically subscribed to hustle culture, right? And mm-hmm. when you put those words, peace and profits, it's like, wait, do they contradict each other? But why do they have to? So, Ooh. you know, Leah, let's talk about that. Yeah, because that's interesting. I never, I never, I never thought about it like that. You know I what I mean? Like, I yeah. feel like when you think about profits, you're thinking about the, I think about like, you right. know, being successful, making yeah. money and then peace next to it. It's like, oh, so what are you sacrificing <laughs> for the, you know, <laughs> in order to get those profits? Yeah. Right? Like, can you still have high profits and high peace? Right. Like, Absolutely. I think that's just something that. We, yeah. we think it can't be possible for us, but I, and I also say that because as you know, as you probably know in your own space as well, it is just, you know, statistically harder for black yes. women to Absolutely. gain those business accolades and to get to those next steps of business just because of our history and, you know, just what yep. it means to be a black woman in business. So there's a lot Absolutely. there to unpack. Absolutely. No, it, that's 1000% true. And I think that where we start with, with within peace and profits and within like the peace and profits framework, where we start is first just getting clear on what that looks like for you. Yeah. So it's going to, it's going to look different for different people. Um, but understanding what that looks like for you and then figuring out how to best get there. So, but is it possible? It's absolutely possible. Um, it's just, and no, it doesn't require sacrifice, but it does require a little bit of strategy because typically just like people say, you know, how do you balance, you know, motherhood and working a nine to five or whatever, like there's, there's times where something is going to be higher priority than the other, right? It's not 100%, you know, 50, 50 balance all the time. But, um, but once you know what peace and profits looks like for you, then you can better figure out the strategy to get there. Um, but it is absolutely, it's absolutely possible. And it does take a little bit of a mindset shift too, depending on where you are of like, okay, wait, can I slow down? Like, oh, I can slow down and the world isn't going to crash. My business isn't going to crash. Like you just have to be intentional about the areas that you keep, the areas that you scale, the areas that you maybe let go, you know, Um, but it just requires a little bit of thought. 
Thoughtless. You know, that makes me also think about is the idea of like, this is personal. It's not like something that can be like, you can't look at someone else's peace and profit strategy and try to make that your strategy because it really 100%. depends on your own unique you know, blueprint and what you have going on. And I also say that because I think a lot of times with social media, we want to compare. It's so easy to get caught up in the comparison game. Do you ever feel like that? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And unfollow, like unfollow folks or mute them or whatever the the thing is now on IG. But like, if you feel that way about, and I'm saying this, anybody, including myself, like if you feel that way about somebody or something, when you see it, take it off. Like don't, don't, see it, unfollow them or block it, whatever, because it's not helpful, right? It's it's really not helpful to you, but it is definitely easy to get caught up in that and getting backgrounded to what does it look like for you um, is, is really important and knowing what your strategy is to get there. And also understanding that what social media is, right? What Instagram, what even like the LinkedIn's of the world, like what those, those are all tools that serve a very specific purpose. Um, they're not really multidimensional, right? They're one dimension of someone's life. And so um, when you understand what it's for, then hopefully it helps put it into perspective on what it really is. So is peace and profits like, is this something like, is it just a brand or is it a coat? Like, how do people get involved with it? I'm just curious, like, what is the plan there for it? Yeah, so there's um, there's actually two ways to kind of go through peace and profits. Ultimately, it's a framework, but um, I'm like how you get to peace and profits for yourself. But there's a VIP day option where I can actually like work with you to actually create and figure out what your 12 month roadmap is and how you get from where you are now to what looks like peace and profits to you. Or there is a collective, and the collective is a small group of like five ladies where we work together over six months and we, you know, do coaching and mentorship and we end off with a retreat at the end of the six months. But during that six months, we're also actively working through and to your end goal of what peace and profits looks like for you. So ultimately it is first defining and figuring out what that is for you. And then it's building the strategy and actually working through getting to that point so that you can have those peace and profits. So it's for, you know, for business women who, are just not fully fulfilled in where they are in their business, like, and not just from a revenue perspective, but just overall, maybe they're doing amazing in sales and profit, but they're just like, this is unfulfilling. Something's off, you know, it's really just for you. If you feel like um, you haven't reached that point where you can claim both peace and profits. Okay. No, I love that. And I, you know, definitely encourage every, anyone, if you want to learn more about, it. I guess you have a site for that just to direct people to as well. Yeah. If, you, if, if they just go to kendranicole.co, um, then you'll be able to see more information about it there. All right. So we first had our first interview in 2018, right? It's 2022 at the time of recording this. Um, Kendra, do you ever miss the nine to five corporate life? <laughs> Not that you like... You know, you're years into your own business. Is, is there any, like, could it ever call you back? Or are you good? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> good. No, I mean, I, I definitely, the, I had some amazing bosses when I was um, in corporate. I learned a lot, a lot for sure about, about business, about life, even from my bosses and from some of my colleagues. But I'm definitely, I'm good. I'm good on that right now. <laughs> Okay, no, I just wanted to ask you because I feel like, you know, it could always change, right? So I'm like, let me just ask you that. Um, yeah. It's also interesting because in our 2018 conversation, you said that, you know, one of the growing 
growing sectors or industries that you thought were hot for people, you know, trying to get into business was e-commerce mm-hmm. and coaching. Do mm-hmm. you still agree that those two, you know, businesses still have growth potential or untapped growth potential? Well, that's, I'm, I love that you threw untapped it there because untapped, I'm not so sure. I feel like it's all been tapped within <laughs> e-commerce and coaching. They have been tapped for sure. I think um, I think with e-commerce, the biggest thing is going to be, well, actually, even with coaching too, it's going to be having a really high like differentiating factor. There has to be something different about your your business or your brand. And not just from like a, what is it? Like, what are you selling standpoint, but from your actual brand itself? Like, why are you creating this? Why are you in the market? Why are you coaching? Why are you selling? Um, There has to be something different because there's a lot of folks going into business, just period. And without that, I think it's um, just harder to kind of thrive and survive in business right now. But e-commerce I would kind of say, you know, the thing about e-commerce right now too, though, is with COVID, there came a lot of supply chain issues and prices are going up with inflation. So it's just harder to get into right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think either way with coaching or with e-commerce, it's just really about what's your what's your differentiating factor that sets you apart, you know, for somebody to want to go to you. All right. So, you know, screw e-commerce, screw coach. I'm just playing. But uh, let's talk about what you think now. Let's ask the question again. Is there an industry that you think that has a lot of potential that you're just interested in seeing like in the next few years, what happens of it? Or if you don't think there's enough of people like us who are in it and there's room for us there, we'd love to know your POV there. Mm, that's good. I think that um, anything that has to do with working with like influencers, So not necessarily being an influencer, I think that that ship has kind of sailed a little bit, but like think about either um, management companies or um, PR firms or even on the glam, so on the glam side. So um, traveling makeup artists, traveling hairstylists, traveling fashion stylists, like if you can put together a group um, of like a glam team. And I'm, this is like literally just coming to my head off top. So I might not have to think about this out loud, but if you put together a traveling glam team that influencers and celebrities and all that can basically just rent a fully completed glam squad to come out and travel and do all the things that already know each other, all that work well together. Um, I think that's going to really be a, a great area just because influencer work right now in, in the near future is skyrocketing, right? Like yeah. you don't even see celebrities anymore on your Dove commercials. You see influencers you know, so that anything that supports that area, I think, um, has a lot of potential. You know, I'll talk about this too, from like, you know, my nine to five right now is working in like brand partnerships, right. For a big media Mm. company. And I even see like, there's budgets for that. And I always tell people Mm -hmm. it's not about making like the sexy money sometimes, right. Like Mm -hmm. people just like, you have to think really outside the box and like, what's the service that I can always find someone who's going to need it. Right. And then just figuring out, maybe it's not like, I tell my friend this all the time, like she's a makeup artist and she's like trying to just charge regular degular people. I say regular dagger, like, you know, right. everyday people, $60 a face. I'm like, you can't scale that, right? Like, right. you can't really scale that. You'll always have the same client, but maybe your yeah. client can be somebody who has a budget to pay you $500 a face, right? And Absolutely. that's going to be like a corporate client. So like, it's really you finding your skill and then figuring out who can pay you or who has the budget and like the long-term budget, right? To put yeah. you on retainer, hey, 
Yeah. You will get, you know, 20,000 a month. I'm just, you know, ballparking this here. I'm just making yep. things up, right? Yeah. But that's, and you can maybe negotiate a one year, you know, contract, right? Yep. And then that's your whatever, I don't know what the financial term is for that. But, you know, there's ways, there's ways to think about it. Like there's money everywhere yeah. I tell people. You just got to figure out how to get it and how to, you know, use your skills and kind of manipulate those or not manipulate, but leverage those right. to get you paid. Yep, absolutely. I think you hit it right on the on the head when you were saying like it's about thinking thinking in advance, again, being intentional about like how are you going to scale this? So doing the $60 face whatever thing might work right now, but like, hey, if you want to look, you know, in the future, six months, a year, two years, five years, is this really still going to work for you? And if not, then what will work for you? And even though you might not activate that today, you got to activate something today that's going to get you there because it's not just going to like happen on its own, right? So figuring out how do I get from the $60 phase to the $500 phase? Like what's the steps that I have to take to get there and taking action on those? Yes. Uh, so, you know, Kendra, I want to wind us down here, right? You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot that's going on for you. A lot, you've grown so much and there's still so much to go. Um, and I know a lot of us, it's not always good times, right? There's also some things that we are always facing challenges. Is there something that you're working on right now that you can just keep it real with our listeners? Like, hey, I don't have this part all together and it's something that I'm just trying to figure out. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think team building is always, you know, one of those things where it's like, do I need to add more people? Do I need to, you know, just stay where I'm at? Like, what do you do with that? And whenever I'm talking with even like clients and prospective clients, that's always a big area is building out the team and um, figuring out the best way to do it, the best benefits to offer, like all of those sorts of things. So that's, that's something that I'm for sure figuring out. Luckily, um, and um, again, very blessed to have the current team that I have now that is amazing. But like, as we grow, just the thought of having to like hire again, finding people, it's like the worst thing ever having us outsource it question mark. I don't know. know. Is it hard to at this stage, like to outsource the hiring and like, when do you, you know, it's like, you know, you, you have to be in it in some way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so yes, outsourcing is definitely helpful and has been helpful. And we found some great people via outsourcing, but honestly, 100% of my team, I either knew before um, when I was in corporate and I took them out of corporate and they're working for me now, or they stemmed from prior hires. So like Maribeth brought on this person and this person brought on this person and she knew this person. And like, that's the, all of our team that we have currently now, came that way. So anybody who's been hired through an outside firm is no longer with us. <laughs> We're not batting a great average. If it's not broke, up. don't fix it, right? I guess. <laughs> so that is it's just a hard thing, you know, but yeah. Um but it's, you know, it's fine. It'll work itself out. You know, and that, you know, going along that route then, what do you think people should look for in if, you know, not everyone can work with you. Let's just be realistic. Right. And not everyone, I know that you work, like you have to be a certain tier, right. Or have a Mm -hmm. certain, you know, accomplish something certain in in a business in order to be able to to work with you. But like, what's just something that you think if, if someone's looking for a accountant or even financial strategy services, like what's just some things to look out for when working with firms that you can, that you, you really learned throughout the years of running one. Personally, I think the biggest thing is uh, like personality. If if you have a personality match, like I know for some firms they do have, 
you know, certain um, revenue criteria that you have to meet and things like that. So we have that on the finance from side, like we cater to clients that are making, you know, at least multi six figures a year and, and all of that. But um, on the Kendra Nicole side, that's not the case. Like I work with clients who haven't even launched their business yet um, on, with VIP days and things like that. But I think the biggest thing when you're looking for an accountant or a finance professional, even a business strategist, a coach, anything is like personality fit and understanding if you really kind of trust their, um, their, like their, their purpose behind why they started what they're doing. Right. Um, that's really important. But now one other little caveat to that on a more technical, like non-feeling side and a more like factual technical side for accounting specifically, they should be familiar with your type of industry. So if you are e-commerce, don't work with an accountant that does not understand e-commerce accounting. If you are a lawyer, don't work with an accountant that doesn't understand IOTA accounting. Like there are nuances in different industries that if you are hiring an accountant, they have to understand those nuances in order to be able to support you. Well, that was the thing. Cause I was going to say is a client list important, right? Like knowing like who they worked with and just what that industry is, because it's like, I don't want to work with somebody who specializes in zoos, right? Like, right. I, you know, that's not, that's not my thing. Um, okay. Well, yep. thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, you cannot be a dream driver without having your keys to success. And you shared keys to success in your 2018 interview. I didn't write those down. So no worries about if you repeat anything. But um, <laughs> what do you think or what what do you think every dream driver needs in their toolkit before they hit the road? What, what do we need in our bags, Kendra? Yeah, I would definitely say a strategy for sure. Um, you need a strategy. You kind of need to have an idea of where you're going and what you're looking for. It doesn't have to be exact, specific, or perfect. It just has to be something. Uh, I would say a good circle. So whether that's your family, your friends, your coworkers, your you know colleagues, whoever, but just a good circle of people that you trust that can um, help you through times that are good and that are bad and your faith, which is ultimately going to kind of ground you through anything that's going to happen with you. Um, but if you have those three things, I think that at least uh, sets you up for, um, you know, the ebbs and flows, the highs and lows that come along with business, but also just in life. Strategy circle faith. I love those. Uh, Kendra, thank you so much once again for blessing our dreams and drive listeners with your story and just all these great tips you shared with us today. Can you let us know where we can follow you online, where we can stay connected, where we can learn more about your services? Because there might be someone listening in who might be the, you know, your next client. So let us know. Absolutely. And, and thanks again for having me on. Um, you can find out more about the finance film, which is our accounting and virtual CFO service over at thefinancefilm.com. Um, or you can learn more about the Peace and Profits program, which is over on KendraNicole.co. All right. So that's a wrap for this episode of Dreams and Drive. I hope you enjoyed our guest dream driving journey as well as listening to their keys to success. If you love this episode, you know what to do. Please make sure that you are following us. We are at Dreams and Drive across social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So make sure you're sharing this episode, posting it to your Instagram stories texting it to a friend, sharing on LinkedIn, wherever you are or online, just pay this forward and share this with somebody. We really appreciate it. And all the sharing that you do helps us grow our community. If you want to join our email newsletter, The Keys, and get weekly updates delivered to your inbox, just go to dreamsanddrive.com slash join. That's dreamsanddrive.com slash join. 
And lastly, if you know somebody who would be great for this show, or if you are someone who would be great for this show, please go to dreamsanddrive.com slash pitch. I'm always accepting new guests. I'm always accepting new pitches. So I love to see those pitch requests coming in. Keep dreaming, keep driving, and we'll chat again in the next episode. Bye, guys.